This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. My office is pink and my bedroom is blue. I have colors in every room and I need colors in my life. This is the Food Podcast, a Village Soundcast Network production where personal stories are shared through the lens of food. So when you see a birthday cake that was made for Hitler with a swastika on top of the cake, it's so wrong. It's so, so, so wrong that you should both celebrate the birth of this man, but also connect it with your own birthday cakes and your own childhood memories. <laughs> you know, it's so wrong. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson. Peanut butter icing isn't the natural choice for a wedding cake. It's beige, a Pantone 155C, or Farum Ball's Skipping Stone. It's not a fresh Benjamin Moore Chantilly lace, but no other icing would do. The bride, my cousin Claire, was getting married. I was making her cake, and peanut butter icing on chocolate cake was her only request. It has always been her cake, every year for every birthday. We all have a favorite birthday cake. My son Luke's is chocolate with milk chocolate icing fortified with vertical Kit Kat bars. My husband loves angel food, while my sister Sally's was our mother's famous ring of coconut, a chocolate bun cake with a chocolate coconut and cream cheese mixture hiding in the center. My younger sister Lee hated cream cheese, and every so often, my mom would forget and bake her a ring of coconut. This is what happens when there are four daughters in the house. The wedding took place on the top of a hill overlooking San Francisco Bay. Claire was marrying Dave, a Californian she met a few summers before when they were working as Outward Bound instructors. That summer, they belayed kids down the side of mountains and launched them through whitewater rapids. There's nothing like dangling small people over the edge of a cliff to learn what partnership is all about. On the top of the hill that day, in front of their closest friends and families, Claire and Dave promised to always belay each other. It's the term for when one climber secures the other on a safety rope. It's like saying, take risks. Climb your best. I'll catch your fall. Later, they cut into my three-tiered cake, the cake I made with the pans I brought in my suitcase. I nestled white hydrangeas, stolen from the garden where I was staying, down the tiers. Smooth peanut butter icing didn't quite look like gray rock wall, but with the right floral rapids, it could pass for a Class 5 river. I launched a Playmobil rafting boat into the white water, a tiny blonde Claire steering at the back and Dave paddling in the front. I bought it that afternoon at Toys R Us. This is what happens when you ask a 22-year-old Lindsay to make your cake. The memories are hazy from that day, but I can still see the view of the bay. I see Claire and Dave, young and so happy, and I taste that cake. Peanut butter, whipped with butter, icing sugar, and vanilla, and a rich chocolate cake layered high enough to support adventure. It was a story, their story, one they're still happily living today. Today on the Food Podcast, I talk with Marianne Pfeffer Yengdal. In English, is Marianne Pfeffer Yengdal. A food stylist and cake story maker from Oslo, Norway. We'll explore where inspiration comes from and how to turn inspiration into something tangible, something edible, and something you can dance to. 
We'll play with colors, we'll eat flowers, and as always, a few other voices will be piped in and sprinkled on. Today, on the Food Podcast. When Marianne walks through her neighborhood, she picks lilacs and wild roses and stuffs the blossoms into her mouth. The Norwegian neighborhood behind her is lush with many shades of greens and pinks and purples and yellows. The light is stretching long into the evening, and food is there for the taking. But this is late spring, almost summer in Oslo. Not long before, the days were short and the palette was gray and monotone. And these dark shades, they stretch beyond nature into the human world as well. It's been such a trend with with a lot of grays in Norway now. It's been cars, clothes, everything is black, white, gray. And the buildings, and there's so much architecture that is turning gray now in the centrum of Oslo. There's less and less colors because the architecture, they don't have any color education in school anymore. And they always say that, no, we should use the natural uh, material that's going to set the color and that the buildings are going to set the scene and then the people are going to be the colors. But people are wearing black as well and we're tiny next to the buildings and we can't beat these colors. We're not big enough to set a color on our city. So I'm very frustrating with the lack of colors. I'm sitting in traffic in the morning going to photo shoots and everything is gray. Even my car is gray. In the summer, the nature in Norway is insane, and like the colors are so bright, we have so much light. But then, uh, in the winter, everything is gray and dirty, and I need to have a contrast. So Marianne creates contrasts. There's no gray in her house. My office is pink, and my bedroom is blue. I have colors in every room, and I need colors in my life. And she makes cakes, big, colorful, fantastical cakes. Inspired by nature, inspired by music, inspired by feminism, inspired by whatever is coloring her world. When she's not making her fantastical cakes, Marianne works as a commercial food stylist. But it wasn't always this way. She says that food was always part of her life, even while doing her master's degree in art. She says that she was always trying to fold food into her work, but it was just a passion on the side. But then one day, she says she was... Sitting and looking in my bookshelves, and I saw that I had about 100 titles of cookbooks, and I had two art books. Oh, how this sounds familiar. After university, I wanted to do a master's in museum studies. But the program required that all students were bilingual. I wasn't, so I took a year off to study French in France. I practiced my French at the markets, buying vegetables, cheese, fruit... I practiced in the kitchen with my French roommate, Cecile, and I cooked with the other students in their little kitchens, and I recorded it all in my journal. By the end of the year, I had visited maybe two museums, but I knew the French word for every vegetable in the market. Sometimes you have to just stop and look at the direction your life is taking and say, wait a second, just like Marianne. (laughs) Have I struck wrong? (laughs) 
And then I have a really good, talented food photographer that is my sister-in-law. And she has known me since I was 12. I called her and I said, who's working with cookbooks? How can I get into that game? And just testing recipes or I will do whatever. And she said, that's that's a food stylist. And then she's like, oh, you should be a food stylist. Why haven't I thought of that before? Because there's always lacking food stylists in Norway. And having that combination of being able to working with materials and having the visual background and the strength, but then knowing how to cook really well, that is a rare combination. This work can be exciting and playful at times, but for the most part, it has to be mainstream. The food has to connect with the consumer, something they imagine recreating at home. We have a Norwegian saying that is like something is going to be which means that you need to make something that everybody can relate to. I suppose in English the word would be accessible. But for an artist like Marianne, when she's away from the studio, when she's at home, her kitchen becomes her outlet. So when I get home and I'm going to make something at home, I guess I do everything that I'm told not to do in photo shoots. Not too tall, not too colorful, not too <laughs> abstract or whatever. <laughs> Marianne studied textiles, then visual arts at university. Before food styling, she worked as a filmmaker, an animator, and spent five years with an environmental NGO, a job that inspired her to travel as little as possible. Instead, she travels in her kitchen. She takes us with her. If you know how to cook, then you can travel wherever you want, whenever you want. You can go to Japan, you can go to Caribbean, you can really... Or you can dive into the music video Babies on Fire in South Africa with Yolandi, a South African hip-hop vocalist. Marianne makes cake stories for Instagram inspired by music videos featuring female vocalists. She cuts the music videos into her cake stories, folding, weaving, and sprinkling them together until the finished cake captures the tone of the video. And at the end of the song, there's the reveal, a colorful, edible creation inspired by music, women, and the feel of the video. She names her videos after the singer, Nora, Sia, Marilyn, Janelle. Imagine the video for the song Pink, featuring Janelle Monet wearing the now iconic vagina pants, billowing pink silk created by designer Duran Lantink. When Janelle opens her legs, well... That is a striking moment. That That is a fun moment when she's wearing these pants and it's just trousers. There's nothing else. It's just some fabric. But then when she squats and we see it open, we're like, oh my God, but it's just clothes. That's the flashbulb moment where you get a little kick. So I thought, ooh, that's a kick. <laughs> it's flashbulb moments that Marianne is looking for. A moment, as she says, that's between boredom and shock. It's just something that triggers you and you remember. Flashbulb moments came up because I asked her where she got the idea to make a cake inspired by self-love, sexuality, and pussy power. As it turns out, her master's thesis was on where inspiration comes from. That was my master's thesis because I was trying to figure out my own head. I didn't understand where my ideas came from. They were so weird. They just, they strike so hard and they really have 
a visual connection with each other and very different in media and the project becomes like plagues. They are so strong and they're bothering me so much and I can't think about anything else until they're done. So when I was working with art, I did it to get rid of them, <laughs> to think about something else. And uh, now it's the same with cake. I was studying how you get influence for everything you lay your eyes on and uh, how also your mind works with memories that you have, flashbulb memories where, it's, where everything is just right, that you just remember that time and space and that really becomes a part of you. And uh, it's not the part where you're in shock and it's not the part where you're bored. It's the part where just everything's just perfect to remember. And every time you remember that moment, you can't trust your own mind to remember the exact same. So you evolve the memory. So now it's really simple for me to work with takes because I see a music video or a tribute to women. It's smaller, it's really visual, it's just me. It's not art, it's just me playing with visuals and just like enjoying myself and having a playful Saturday. It's that place between boredom and shock. That's where the ideas flow. Marianne doesn't call this work art. She says it's more playful and fun, but I disagree. The way her magenta pink buttercream ripples down the cake, the way she studs it with colorful macaroons, the way it becomes a tribute to self-love and sexuality, it's a work of art. Or how about a recent cake video, one devoted to Marilyn Monroe in honor of her birthday on June the 1st? Marilyn sings Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend in a fitted pink taffeta strapless gown and gloves, and of course surrounded by men in tuxedos. It's a black forest cake with mascarpone cream and cherry jam that Marianne covers in Italian meringue buttercream. Marilyn waltzes down the stairs and flings her arms in the air as Marianne drips dark chocolate ganache over the pink. I see the men dripping. More pink icing is piped on in ripples. They mimic Marilyn's billowing bow at her hip. Diamonds are added to the cake. It's sugar syrup set in a mold, something that Marianne explains how to do in an Insta story. Then she studs the cake with fresh cherries, the same red as the red in Marilyn's backdrop, and finishes it off in a flurry of sprinkles, a spin of the cake tray, and a big, lush, hot pink peony. Marianne also co-wrote and styled a book called Kinfolk, a book completely devoted to the women both Marianne and her friend and photographer Claudia were inspired by. Women like Frida Kahlo, Astrid Lindgren, who wrote Pippi Longstocking, Marie Antoinette, and Jane Austen, the two women posed as their subjects, creating the worlds in which they lived and developed recipes to suit each woman. Small Mexican snacks for Frida when she was confined to a bed and warm gingerbread for Swedish-born Astrid. The book took six years to make and it's a thick, gorgeous labor of love. This devotion to female stories continues on. Like the Yolandi cake video I mentioned earlier, featuring a South African hip-hop artist who looks part Barbie, part anarchist. She also resonates with Marianne. I love strong women. And she loves color contrasts, contrasts in general. The Yolandi song that Marianne features is called Babies on Fire, 
Yolandi, with her bleached, partly shaved hair, dances in a dusty car park in yellow booty shorts. There's brick in the background, pink plaster, and lots of pastel. Marianne says Yolandi isn't big in Norway, but she's big in Marianne's house. Marianne and her husband, who's a DJ, are big fans, mainly for their strong, thought-provoking images. And those images, they inform her cakes. I guess that when I'm seeing a music video, and I like the song, I like the energy, there's something that strikes me. I get an emotion out of it, and I start to see a cake. And then there's always the colors. It's also the scruffiness of the South African neighborhood that they're describing, that it's a poor area and brick walls. And I ended up making a structure on the cake that is more like a plaster. It's a plaster structure with all the colors from the video. The finished cake looks like an artist applied edible pastel plaster to the cake. Pink, baby blue, and yellow. I hadn't thought of this before, but the tool Marianne uses looks like a plastering trowel. It's what creates that handmade finish, of course. The cake reminds me of Moon Mist ice cream. Moon Mist is a flavor famous in Nova Scotia. Grape, banana, and bubblegum blended together in a hazy pastel swirl. Yolandi's yellow shorts, her bubblegum crop top, her grape pie tops. She's all Moon Mist. I love that part being a woman, that you can be cute and tough. We have this access to the cuteness that the guy's missing out on. I always make pink uh, birthday cakes for my boys because as girls, we have access to all the colors when we grow up, but the boys are missing out of a lot of pink and uh, purple, and I don't think it's fair. And therein lies the magic of these cake videos. We may not be able to recreate what Marianne is making. These are her creations. It's her art. But her medium is accessible. It's familiar. We can connect to it because it's cake. We have a Norwegian saying that is like something is going to be folkly, which means that you need to make something that everybody can relate to. Her cake brought me to Moon Mist. I'm in a parking lot in Scottsburn, Nova Scotia, outside the diner across the street from the Scottsburn Ice Cream Factory. We're on the way to the cottage, and we stop here every time. My dad orders grape nut. I'm scrunching my nose at this. What a dad flavor. I have a kitty cone full of moon mist. Layered upon this sweet memory is Yolandi's song full of F-bombs and sass. It's the making of a flashbulb moment. The element of surprise juxtaposed with familiarity. I'm, I'm reading up more and more about cakes and I'm trying to figure out what's my fascination. Why I return to cakes over and over again. It's both because you can work conceptual with cakes. You can work with a lot of colors without it and they're unappetizing. And you can put a cake into a shocking pink environment without ruining the food. But if you have a piece of meat, then you can't have that strong colors next to it. It's best with like rough wood or like more warm colors or more toned down. When you see a cake, you always connect it with, like if you see a car, you see the car in front of you, but you also, in your mind, you remember the car that you grew up with. You remember the car that your dad and your mom and then did different models. I'm in my dad's AMC Gray Pacer. The one that Wayne and Garth had in Wayne's world. I'm four or five years old. 
It's hot outside, but the windows are down, and my favorite song is playing on the radio. Music Box Dancer. Now I'm in the garden at night, listening to my friend Jillian singing on the stereo with her band New Romantic Portal. This is her dad car memory. I think it's the same with cakes and especially very strongly with cakes that when you see a cake, you also think of the cake that your parents baked for you when you were a child and you had your first birthday cake or the different birthday cakes, the cakes drama, cakes that sold on the floor uh, that your aunt were particularly good at, that your grandma was particularly good at. It brings out very strong memories and we think of a lot of summer memories, a lot of childhood memories. So when I work with cake, I play with all of those memories at the same time and trigger those. Cakes also take me right back to my favorite skit from Sesame Street. The one where the baker stands on the top of the stairs holding a wedding cake. He shouts, and then trips and the cake goes flying. It's the suspense followed by disaster juxtaposed against the grandeur of a wedding cake that got me every time. Marianne takes this thought a step further. So when you see a birthday cake that was made for Hitler with a swastika on top of the cake, it is so ugly. It's much stronger to see that cake than to see the flag of the the symbol. It's so wrong. It's so, so, so wrong that you should both celebrate the birth of this man, but also connect it with your own birthday cakes and your own childhood memories. It's so wrong. And you're supposed to eat it. (laughs) It's so wrong. I've never seen a cake like this, but I get it. The message is heightened. It becomes more powerful. It's an affront to the sweetness of our past. We lightened up and moved on to a conversation about food blogger Joy the Baker. A few years ago, Joy started an Instagram account called Drake on Cake. I love that account. I think it's a lot of fun to see text on cakes. This is how it works. Joy buys slab cakes from her local grocery store in New Orleans, the kind that are crying out for a message across the top. Instead of happy birthday, she writes a Drake lyric across the top, then styles it up to the max. Here's Joy back in 2016, talking about Drake on Cake with Carrie Diamond on Radio Cherry Bomb. You know Drake, he's a rapper slash genius poet slash very interesting, handsome person who has this crazy life. Um... Turns out his name rhymes with cake. I know a lot about cake. Let's just somehow meld these two together. And and that's what it is. I thought of it probably sometime last year and just have been like just sitting just sitting on the idea until one day I was like, I'm actually gonna do I'm gonna do this. So I went down to Rouse's, which is our like big grocery store here, um, bought a sheet cake from their bakery and wrote on it like just wrote some drake lyrics on it 
and I did, I like gathered a few, gathered a few cakes before I put the Instagram up, but I don't know. I felt like in my head, I was like, this is clever (laughs) and really funny to me. This is very funny to me and me alone. And, and so I just will start it. And that like, very simply, I was like, I am, I am entertained by this. Maybe someone else will be. And people are. And 50,000 followers later. Yes, lots of people are. It's been three years since that conversation, and Drake on Cake now has 222,000 followers. And it looks like Joy is taking the opportunity, with all those eyes on her cakes, to use Drake's words in a powerful way. One of her recent posts is in response to the Alabama abortion legislation. The image looks like this. There's a white circular cake with sprinkles around the edge, And in soft pink icing piped across the top, there's the line that reads, Girls need love too. It's a Summer Walker lyric. Drake is featured on the song, but this message is hers. Scattered around the cake, I can see a condom, cups of colorful sprinkles, tarot cards, and Mardi Gras beads. I see a photo of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There's a bottle of Coco Chanel perfume, tampons, jewelry, confetti, birth control pills, a wristwatch, and two burnt-out candles hanging out on the side of the cake. Girls need love, too. Marianne got her start in the kitchen with a tiny oven that belonged to her mother, the Scandinavian version of an easy-bake oven. It's actually working. It's electric. And I made food on that with her and my brothers when I was a child. Her brothers were older by five and seven years. So I guess I was the youngest girl, the last kid, and the girl like finally came. And I was always allowed to be in kitchen. And when mom was making bread, then I was allowed to make tiny miniature breads on the side at the same time. And I was watched for when she baked cakes. So I think a lot of the fascination with cakes, both because my dad was overweight. So we ate a lot of healthy food in their ongoing struggle to <laughs> make him lose weight. <laughs> but of course, he, he ate when we had gone to bed. <laughs> so he kept his weight. But the rest of us ate very healthy. And we had some candy on Saturdays. But it wasn't, it wasn't a lot. And I always craved for cakes. I was allowed in the kitchen when I was around seven and older. I could go into the kitchen and bake whatever. She allowed a lot of mess as long as I learned how to cook. Then I could make whatever I wanted. So it was this craving that made me start with cake. And now Marianne supports her two boys and husband as the main breadwinner, working with food, experimenting in the kitchen, creating videos, and making cakes. She walked us through her garden the other day on Instagram, showing us the bachelor buttons growing wild. She pulled off the deep blue petals. She'll use them to decorate a cake, she said, and dry the rest for winter, to pull out a pop of blue when everything is gray again. It's raining here in Halifax. It looks like we're about two weeks behind Oslo, weather-wise. But soon our wild roses will be out, lining the banks around our cottage with magenta petals. I'll pick them, pop them in my mouth, and dry a few handfuls for later when I need some pink in my life. In the meantime, when I need to find that sweet spot between shock and boredom, I'll see what Marianne is up to. 
huge thanks to Marianne for seeking a creative outlet and for sharing it with all of us. You can find Marianne on Instagram at M-A-R-I-A-N-N-E underscore P-F-E-F-F-E-R. And thanks to Joy the Baker and Radio Cherry Bomb, to Jillian Fries and the New Romantic Portal, to Frank Mills, to Janelle, Yolandi, and Marilyn. And thanks always to Luke Batio, our producer and sound editor, and Jen Grant for our theme song. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at The Food Podcast or at Lindsay Cameron Wilson. And please rate and review us wherever you listen. It really helps grow our podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. 